Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the author of the Kindle Award-winning novel Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series and Pretty Ugly. Joining me, as always, is my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, authoress of the Bourbon books, including her most recent, Move on Melinda. With us today is Joanna Fitzpatrick, author of The Artist Colony, which is a historical fiction mystery thriller, uh, which is why we've donned our little costumes, our artistic 1920s costumes, to welcome Joanna. So, Joanna, welcome to our show. Please tell our viewers a little bit about yourself and a little bit about The Artist Colony. Oh, la, la. Okay. Here this I is go. when we drink. <laughs> yes, I'm just going to say uh, hi. Cheers. Hi. <laughs> you can too, Joanna. It's fine. Mm. Okay, this is my 1920s edition. There's no prohibition here. Nope. Okay. Well, except maybe for me. I'm drinking LaCroix. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is Joanna Fitzpatrick? Joanna Fitzpatrick is an author. Uh, she has a, a long history before being an author, working in the music business, working in the film business. And she reached a certain age where she decided that um, she wanted to be an artist. She represented artists for many, many years and was a successful at it. But there came a time when I felt sitting backstage watching the musicians all having such a great time uh, that I wasn't having a great time. It was theirs, you know, I didn't own it. And um, I felt the only way I could own something was to create it myself. So at the age of 60, um, or at the age of 50, I went back to school. I hadn't been to school. I dropped out in high school. I went back to school in my 50s. And I studied writing, and I became a writer. And now I have written three books, and this is the most recent one. And that, it just came out yesterday, too. So happy yes. birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> is today the day where, like, you emotionally crash or are you still on the high? Because I, I know for me personally, book birthday, I'm like, yay! And then the next day, I'm just, like, crying yeah, it's, into, it's, like, my breakfast. <laughs> it's, it's weird. You know, it's weird, right? I mean, when I, finished, when I finished the book, when I really knew the book was finished and I had that manuscript, that to me is is such a celebration, in a sense, more than being published. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm thrilled to be published, <laughs> but it's a satisfaction of the of the creation of the book. The publication is about things I have to do, like marketing and all that. <laughs> so, as far as yes, I definitely celebrate yesterday. And I, what made me celebrate was what other people said to me. You know that oh. they love my book, and and what a you know what a pleasure to know me, and so that yeah, it's a publication because then your voice is heard by someone else besides you. Yeah, <laughs> it makes you it to share that with everybody because yeah. when you finish, yeah. even if you say I finished, everybody's like you finished something, hooray! But they have no idea what you're talking about really until it gets into their hands and they can kind of absorb it too. And the question right. they always will say, like, it's, I finished my book. They'll say, when is it getting published? Yes. And <laughs> when can I read it? Yeah. And now that your book came out yesterday, I'm sure you're already going to be getting, when is your next book coming out? Yes. 
Yes, I got that, that at my book signing. People are like, when's the next one coming out? I'm like, I'm exhausted. I <laughs> take don't know. <laughs> how, long do, how long do you girls take to write, you know, generally? How long do you take to write uh, books? Oh, um, I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. You are, because you, uh, I'm so impressed every time you say how long it takes you to write a book. Okay, it takes me about six months. My I'm first book took 20 years and okay. three months. Okay. Okay. It's just, I'm so, I'm so all over the map that to give any answer, it would be just misleading okay. because one of the books that I have that's out on sub is one that took years to write because I was writing in these little increments with little people where I couldn't write for months at a time. And then the first book that actually got published, I wrote in 13 days and people hear that and go, and go, well, that was just ready up here. It just came out like that. So it, it depends. This doesn't have anything to do with Vox Vomitus. This doesn't have anything to do it with It does, a little bit. That's, <laughs> that's our, our fake yeah. Latin for word vomit. And yeah. um, Allison and I met during uh, an online pit mad thing, uh, pit, pitch madness on Twitter. We took a class together on like how to prepare a pitch. What and the heck's a pitch? And what's a pitch? And how do Castle, you do it? And how, and how do you do it on? How do I do it on Twitter? Uh, so that's what's what Twitter? What's I wasn't Twitter? even on Twitter before that. So we met there, and I don't know. We've just became like sister wives during like this whole process of: uh-huh. Are we writers? Is this a sentence? What am what I doing? Words? What are words? And I think one day I said, it's just, like, Allison asked how my writing was going. And I said, it's just word vomit at this point. <laughs> and No, yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's a good title for it. Because uh, when I write the first draft of any, by the way, my books take five years. Uh, I do a lot of research. <laughs> and they usually end up being five. I, I want them quickly. And I thought this one was going to be quick because originally it was a mystery. And then I got into the history. And when you get into the history, it takes a lot longer. Yeah, so there's not I, quick in history. I wrote two yeah. historical novels, and I feel like I might never write another one because yeah. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, I realized they, I'm like, oh, you can't fake it. No, you can't <laughs> fake it, and and or, or someone will catch you in doing that. But my Vox Vomitus takes place, which is why I like the title, in my first draft. Yes. In my first draft. And it's like that. It's just yeah. like you just you just keep going. You, you have get that, to. You have you to get that draft down. Yeah. For me, uh, that's when I'm just like I don't even worry if my tenses are correct. Sometimes I flip back and forth between like past tense and present tense, and I'm like, what am I yeah. doing? It makes my second draft a nightmare. Right. But yeah. But I feel okay. like it's the second draft is when it starts to look like a book or feel like a book. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you format that, you can pretend it's a book. You're like, oh, look, this looks just like a real book. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a book, so it must be fine. It must be a real book. Yeah, I'm a real boy yeah. now. Yeah. But I, 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 my favorite, well, no, I love all the process. You know, I know you're going to talk about processing. I think the whole process of being a writer from that vomit in the beginning to every single revision, uh, I just, you know, I love it. I can't yeah. wait to get back to it. Yeah, no, that part's exciting. Yeah. It's like the querying and the nervousness and the, is this book marketable? What genre is this? That's what I don't like when I'm like, because people keep asking me like, what genre is your new book? And I'm like, I have no idea. And that's what you should tell them. You know, this whole idea that it has to be a particular genre. I don't, I don't think that way. And I fortunately, I don't think marketing when I'm writing. 
I'm thinking a lot about marketing now, but I, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> but I don't think about it when I'm writing. I don't, I, I, I couldn't, I, or you would end up, you know, getting contrived or, or whatever. But for me, I have to, yeah, no marketing until now. Until now. And then you, now. you have people for, to help you with that. Yes, I so. have. Yeah, I It's have always good to have people. like, um, just somebody who's better at it than you are. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I have a great team, a great team of, of uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a lucky girl. <laughs> so um, I will say, I f- when I read your publicist, who I absolutely love, when she reached out to me about your book, um, I thought, oh, this like checks off so many of the boxes in my head of things that I really love. I'm obsessed with the 1920s. I mean, I have like a million 1920s outfits. During the before times, before COVID, I would 1920s cosplay. I would teach ballroom dance at 1920s events. It's like, I'm really into it. I'm also an artist. So I was just like, this has, and I love mysteries. I'm like, give me a, give me a dead body in or near the ocean. I will read almost any book about that. <laughs> and yours had all of those things. <laughs> it does have all of those things. Yeah. Yeah. Once I had that dead body on the ocean. Yeah. It all came That's together. where it starts. Is that where it started? Or because it's oh, la, la. sort of based on like a relative of yours well or a fictionalized version it's okay um what it started with a paint a painting by my great aunt ada bell champlin and i've had this painting forever all the time i lived in new york and i've had it out here when i came here we made friends with people and they saw the painting and they said this is this is near here and I knew it was somewhere in Carmel, somewhere in Monterey, California, but I didn't really know it was that close. And when I heard that, I became very curious to find out what the story of my, I knew nothing about Ada Bell Chaplin. I always loved the name Ada Bell, but I didn't know anything about her. So I did family history. And then after the family history, I started working on the Carmel history of the 1920s and found out about the artist colony that she was part of and, and influenced the art colony. And after reading that, then I definitely wanted to include it as here as an artist colony, but otherwise it's only a name. Ada Bell. I again hardly knew her. I only have a little picture of her with her five sisters. Um, so it was, it's the name and the fact about this painting, but she is not really in the book. No, but uh, some people write and say that, but she's not. She's not in the book. But that's a great jumping the off point. And yeah, I mean, the fact is. that it's a real painting of a of a real place is such an interesting place to start from, because I can't imagine looking at any landscape and going, oh, that's a real place. And that's setting off on this journey. I would just assume someone made it up. I wouldn't think anybody would look at it and go, no, I know that place. And then have it be a place you can go visit and see more about where that led you, including, I'm assuming it's part of one of the places that takes place, like one of your settings for your story. It well. Not totally. Um, I've actually tried to find exactly where those eucalyptus, it's a eucalyptus tree painting. And I've tried to find it and have been unable to it, but several people are sure where it is. And I keep, I, I, we don't know. The painting, <laughs> the painting itself, but the Carmel by the sea. So by going down and starting to drive around and looking and then walking, I mean, Carmel by the sea is totally, it's a tourist destination now. But it still believes in its history. And there's a tremendous, there's even a little library in the small Karma by the Sea that's a historic library, where I was able to go and learn so much about the history of the artist colony. So 
it was then it became you know I, as I said, I worked in Hollywood, so I'm very familiar with location shots and all of that. And and suddenly I was walking into location shots, right? And then I'd write the scene in that oh. location. Oh, that gave me the chills. See, I, just, was, I just love that because I've read oh, of other authors who've been able to do that. And for those yeah. of us who've been stuck inside pandemic land, there are no location shots that are not just yeah. up here. So I love that you were able to. Like, I feel like this is why all of my books have people slowly going insane. No. <laughs> right, but, right. Yeah, they're all semi autobiographical. Right they're there. all semi autobiographical. <laughs> anything I've written in the past in 19 months has involved like um, basically being a shut in. So you are writing stories, yeah, during, and I'm sure there's going to be a whole couple of years, right? Of, you know, it's like I, I refer to this and I was, we don't have the same desk, but it's after the war. This yeah. is after the war, when it's yeah. over, and we don't even know when it's going to be over. Mm -hmm. But I know we're going to have an incredible amount of uh, genre uh, after the pandemic books yes. of, you, of you who wrote during this period of time. I unfortunately uh, didn't. I was in rewrite. So I. Uh, rewriting yeah. is writing. Rewriting is writing. Is writing very much that is my agent when... says that all the time, every time. I'm just like, uh, I have to yeah. rewrite this. And she says, rewriting is writing. <laughs> and I was in the 1920s, so I wasn't here. That's true. It's <laughs> we're in the other 2020s. The, yeah, we're in the like the, I don't less think glamorous boring. 20s right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> which is why I'm happily sitting here in a beaded gown, wearing a headscarf, and pretending that I'm in 1924 in Carmel yeah, by the Sea. Jennifer, would you do me a huge favor and at some point take a picture of yourself in one of your beautiful outfits uh, with the cover of I will. Smokesmodel. I will. Yeah. Because, <laughs> and honestly, I have like 30 1920s outfits and so does my husband. So we can I do both. it together. We'll do it. We've got parasols. We've got everything. You've got a Tell parasol me. behind you right now. And I have a parasol in front okay. of me too. You can't see. But you also, I have a, a broken Victorian dollhouse in front of me. I'm going to use it for an art project. <laughs> okay. Well, or you could write a story in there. Yeah. You could you could go into that broken Victorian dollhouse. I don't think she'd fit. No, she goes. I can go. I can try. Oh, <laughs> I've recently down. moved into a new house, and I already feel like I started. Like the second we moved in, I'm like, oh, I have to write about this house. And my husband's like, oh, please don't ruin the house because I write horror. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you're gonna like we love this house and automatically I'm just like, what if a young couple moves in and they're both artists? But he's like, No, whatever comes after that, it's too much us. I'm like, Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> do you do you think people that write horror because I haven't written horror, but do you think that writing horror is people who are like really scared? I, like, are you scared of the closet? Are you scared to open the door into the closet? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You I were when like, there was a bat in there. I was when there was a bat in there, <laughs> which I, like happened during an episode of Vox Vomitus. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. That I was think, the old place. There's yeah, no bats in this no, house you're, or your belfry. You're good. Knock on, yeah. knock on wood. Knock on wood. Um, I think, I do think people who tend to write like darker fiction, whether it's like, mm -hmm really like crime because I love crime I love true crime I love horror um like to me it's like weirdly a way to like uh soothe my anxiety <laughs> because it could be worse I could be 
being uh, chased by a serial killer instead of just being panicked about what's in the closet. Right. <laughs> do you <laughs> do you also go to serial killers too? I mean, is that you, you don't? Go I haven't them. written about a serial yeah, killer. I don't. I don't. I, I think I would be too scared to write about that. Yeah, I mean that's. I, I'm scared to, of the closet. Even at, at my age now, when I go home, I check every closet in my house. Every closet, because I. It's not that. It's not that someone's in there. It's my imagination. Yes. Right. That's the scariest thing of all. Yeah. And not saying your imagination is the scariest thing of all. Just like imagination in general. Yeah. So that's. Uh, so that's when I, so I think writing mystery kind of helps you in feeling that, you know, feeling that kind of fear yeah. still today, yeah. uh, cool. kind of help, helps in writing that. Um, uh, yeah. Also cheaper than therapy. It is cheaper than therapy. Writing is definitely yeah. cheaper than therapy. <laughs> well, no, like, at the end of the day though, is it? No. It's <laughs> I was just going to say no. Oh, that that vomit draft though, that is free. The vomit, the vomit draft that's is vomit free. Draft is that's free. on the house. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Everything else, there is an, an emotional price to pay and and a monetary price to pay at times. Yeah. Not at times. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we get it when we're like, I'm going to take out an ad to like boost my book sales. And I'm like, oh, I sold four books and I spent how much money on this ad? <sighs> yeah. Yeah. Can you see the dollar signs just floating up from my head? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or the cash uh, register. I, I dream of the cash register. You know, it makes tax season even sadder when you're just like adding up the expenses <laughs> and then like what you made and you're like, oh, thank but God. But you can I, write I love it off. Doing right? this. You can write it off. You can write. I mean, that's what I'm, yeah. You yes. can write it off, which does help a bit. Yeah. But anyway, we don't do this. We, uh, we don't do this for money. We don't do it for the money. We don't do it for money. But I would like my book made into a movie. I mean, every writer in the world would like that. But uh, well, and with your background, when you've had all these Hollywood connections, I feel like okay, you've now already scouted the scenes. Let's get this thing into a movie. Okay, we're casting your your lead. Who's your lead? Go. Oh yeah. Oh my God! You know, I don't know. I keep asking. I don't know who my lead is. Sometimes the lead is the hardest one to cast. I feel that's like. true. Yeah. I mean, sometimes, especially, I feel like there are a lot of leads that are written intentionally, not as fleshed out, so that there could be more of a reader insert, and that the person can kind of see. Oh, I could. Right. I could feel yeah. this way too. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I like that. Give, so, give space. Like you need, yeah, you need Ada for the flashbacks because you know she's dead. So right. who's, who's Ada? And I want to know who's playing Serena. I have some ideas. Oh God. Oh well, God, <laughs> Serena. <laughs> but Ada, well, Ada, I mean, I, I, when I'm writing it, Ada was, was Rita Hayworth. Oh, my, she will not she, be available for filming. She's not available. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rita Hayworth is my favorite of Fred Astaire's dance partners. I'm just going to say that. Like going on the amazing. record with that. Yeah. So I was thinking her with the red hair and, and that. And then Robert is is uh is uh, Clark Gable. Oh, I was gonna say Carrie Grant, but Clark Gable. Yeah, Clark Gable, Clark Gable does have that smarmy. Yeah, the eyes. <laughs> I thought about the eyes was Clark But look at I am I am all obviously I watch old movies. So obviously if anyone has ideas for uh who would play these parts, and I'd love to hear that you mentioned Serena, who's one of my favorite characters of, of all time. And um, yeah, I mean, she can't be. What's that wonderful uh, actress? Oh, God. She's got a, oh, her last name is Oh. She's Chinese. She's not oh, Japanese. Sandra Oh? 
Sandra Oh, but she, I think she's, no, she's way too old for the party. Yeah, most of the people I'm thinking, even if they have kind of a similar look, might have outaged. Yeah. Because by the time you get around to filming it, whoever <laughs> would play Serena probably isn't born yet. Because that's how long <laughs> no, don't say that. And she's young. So we would have somebody yeah, who'd be relatively she's young. Very young. I, I mean I was thinking of I was thinking of Jessica Henwick, and I don't know if either one of you I know who know she who is. Write it down. Um, I don't know any young actresses, I feel like. I just See, don't I don't either. Yeah, well, and and so Jessica was the bright spot in watching the Iron Fist series on Marvel. Well, that along with Sasha Dwayne, who I love, but um, I don't know what that is. So so Jessica has a martial <laughs> arts background. Um, and she she does have the Asian phenotype, but she could pass potentially depending on how she's styled. As yeah, Serena does as someone who's right. like, oh, I have Mediterranean coloring. I have no idea because for those who haven't read the book, one of the big plot lines is the fact that at the time there's massive discrimination against people, specifically the Japanese or anyone from Asian ancestry. So she is not using her her legal last name or even what her legal last name should be. So you'd yeah. need someone who could pull that off. And mm. Jessica could probably do that. And there, there are a few others who I'm thinking of who I'm like, okay, they could possibly do it. But even now they are already to like mid twenties, getting to thirties. And <laughs> so what we're saying so young. is get yeah. on it like yesterday. Yeah. Then go to the Disney channel and see who's starring as like 12. In a couple years. Cause that, that's how it's going to, that's how, that's how yeah, you have to get them. You would have to get her for, straight from the Disney channel before right. yeah. she goes on dancing with the stars to yeah. star in this and but, then or a good casting director or a good casting to find a little like as somebody who went yeah. to school for theater like i'm just like find oh, a little theater unknown. person unknown. find an unknown yeah well the casting directors can be very very good at that did you like well, how did you feel about serena you like serena i loved her okay i thought okay. she was i thought she was easily the most fascinating just watching her be so mercurial and be like, I'm yes. right here. I don't know why you think I'm not telling you the truth. Runs <laughs> off. I mean, exactly. In a nutshell. But then and, like, he yeah. realized, like she's 18 basic. Yeah. Like she's a kid. Cause yeah. I kept thinking, yeah. I'm like, Oh, she's so shifty and weird. Yeah. And I'm like, teenager. Oh, she's a teenager. <laughs> she who is. is like, yeah. Who is dealing with a lot. Um, yeah. But I loved how you never knew which version of her you were going to get when she Thank entered you. a scene. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that. And yeah, that, it, that's her. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, and I loved it. I love that okay. she kept me on my toes because but like, there was, I was just said, there's such a reason though there, because this person who's had even just at 18 had to shift who she is and who she's presenting herself as in these different places that she can slip in and out of these personas like a second skin. And she's had to, or yeah. she would be, well, it wouldn't go well for her. Let's just put it right. back. Yeah. Yeah. I loved the descriptions of her clothing too. I love that she always seemed to be wearing some sort yeah. of saffron color. And I'm like, oh, I love you. I love your fashion style. Like I want your pants. I want to yeah, wear right. like, the That's overalls. Good. Yeah. Just like so you did, is now volunteering to be costume designer for this movie as I well. Know. I, right. hey, I did baby. I did yeah. love your clothing descriptions. Thank you. Thank you. I think and I obviously have a thing for the 1920s yes. aesthetic. But I really, I really loved it. And Allison yeah. is wearing red based on the red Chanel suit. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah was, well, Serena, because I asked you about Serena because Serena was not, you know, which back to writing processes, uh, was not originally in, in the novel. Um, I love was, that. It was after the research I did and found out more and more about what was going on in this, in this paradise 
it's a paradise artist colony. Uh, but the prejudice that was going on and the racism was was so rampant. And I wanted to address it. I go, well, how am I going to address this? I need, I, and, that, and that was when I created the character. Um, so I really liked it when people, you know, relate to her and what she, what her experience was. And uh, I, I love those characters that, like, I hate to say come out of nowhere, but the ones that mm-hmm. are just like, oh, I, you weren't on my radar when I thought yeah. I knew what this book was about. I know I've had a character like that in my hotel series, Agnes. Agnes, Agnes which she literally she came to like Agnes. It's Agnes. It's like she's like the least likable character, but also by the end, you're we like, gave her oh, a perfect name. Really perfect name, her. Agnes. I really love her. <laughs> I mean, it was the Victorian era. Uh, but uh, she came to me in like a weird dream. And I thought, oh, I'm just going to have this like creepy character say this like one line and then she'll be gone. And then all of a sudden she said one line and then she wouldn't shut up. And now and, I have people who like write to me and they're like, is Agnes getting her own book? I'm like, yeah, she wasn't even supposed to be in <laughs> the two books I wrote that she's in. The answer is yes. The answer is no. yes. Yes. <laughs> Someday. Well, when, when Otherwise Agatha, she won't when, ever shut up. When, when Agatha Christie wrote Poirot, uh, she saw it as a one-off uh, and it ended up being so popular. She had to write a, you know, an incredible series of it. And she said, God, if I'd known, I would have had him one thing, she would have had him younger because oh. he was he was old and it was kind of hard to keep writing stories about Poirot when he was aging. <laughs> so so yeah. that can ha- that can happen. Yeah, <laughs> That's when you go and say, Okay, now we do Poirot, the early years and stuff. Right. And version. now there would be like it a won't be David Suchet, but it's fine. That's <laughs> right. it's okay. Or he could have just never aged like Nancy Drew, who was like all like you know 130 right. bucks, but she was right. always like 16 always to 17. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with this character Agnes and others that you do, I mean, do your characters come back ever in every because it's a series, right? You're doing. Sequels? I did one book that was a two book a duo. A duo. Okay. Um, no, but I do put Easter eggs in my books about the other books, even when they're not connected at all at all just because in my brain i want them to all exist in the same universe even if one is like a ghost story and the other one is like contemporary women's fiction with a crime twist i don't know it's all the jennifer and gordon extended universe the extended universe together because pretty much i will say this new england is small and i like to write about new england so i feel like all of these places fictional or real have to exist in the same like very small like six state area well and some of your landmarks overlap so even yes. if the people don't because they're set 50 to 100 years apart the landmarks are there. Like, here we go right I'm trying to do the timeline in my head i'm going i'm not doing the math right and you know i can't math no. so. and, and, and and honestly it's because i just like want uh like uh, movies to be made of my books or like a really big long hbo series like a prestige (laughs) series where they can all get looped in so get on that you know hollywood people (laughs) just call hbo and be like just call hbo i've got this friend yeah she dressed up weird for a podcast (laughs) so in the very first draft if you didn't have serena i would have loved to read that draft to find out how different that must have looked because she's so pivotal that it had to be yeah. very, very yeah. different if she wasn't there to move scenes along and to dole out information or withhold information and go from go from there. So yeah. when, when you figured out, okay, 
the influx of the Japanese population there and their influence in the art community and even the abalone diving, all of that couldn't have been in the first draft then. So I, I would be curious how different that would have been. Mm. Well, in the first draft, there was a, there was a young girl. And you don't know, you know, I wasn't sure what was going to happen with the young girl. And, and at that time, she was somehow, I don't know how much to tell because I want people to read the book. I but I uh, have, just vague, the, vague, vague, it, vague, vaguely vague. say there was a girl. And so there was, might have there was a girl. <laughs> there was a girl. And she was, she did have that character of being mysterious and uh, difficult to figure out and costume and young and artist. And so she had all that all that character and then it was reading more about the Japanese history that she became this more significant she became more significant she was a side character and then she became more and more important and uh and I miss her see that's oh god I love I love hearing that I feel like as writers we create these fictional people and they become so much a part of us that like when we're done writing about them it like hurts. Like my heart yeah. hurts. And I'm like, I just, yeah. I can't spend time with these, these people anymore. Even the yeah. terrible ones I like. Yeah. I mean, I think they come out again in, in other books, in other ways, yeah. you know, they're, they're kind of still there. Um, earlier I wrote a book, it's called Catherine Mansfield and it's based on a short story writer who had a very tragic life, died at the age of 32 of tuberculosis. And, and I took her, that was another five-year project. I took her life and read every journal. She was very prolific. She wrote lots of journals, lots of diaries. So I was really able to get inside her to, to play her part. And when I was working on, on Catherine, I am actually sure that she came and she's actually a butterfly <laughs> and she'd come in. And if I was resting, like in my hammock, you know, she would come up and, and, and sit on my shoulder and say, get back to work. <laughs> oh, I feel like I need that butterfly. Right, my taskmaster. Get on it. Tell my story, George. Right, because I made her alive, and she wants that story back out again because she was a well-known writer then, and she wants it to be known. Americans didn't know that much about her, so she really wanted me to get that book done and get it published uh, for her. And she, you know, and which was an incentive actually to keep me going because I had to bring Catherine Mansfield alive today. But I think it's the same with fictional characters. I, I think you just, uh, you care about them and you, you know, you resuscitate them, resusc resuscitate, Res res resuscitate, resusc them. resuscitate them. Uh, <laughs> and so that's why, you know, I was asking about sequels and things. Cause I, I think about, I've never done a sequel. Every book uh, has been different. Um, I did a contemporary novel, which was different. And then Catherine Mansfield and then this one. Um, I only well, did a I sequel. Do you do sequels. Yeah. I, my sequel is like a fake sequel. It was literally just supposed to be one book. And then I realized the word length was like crazy. Too much. Okay. So I just like, uh, was like, I will just chop it in half because there's a twist. Well, and, and like, it also oh. worked because you switched points of view. So I did it made sense POV. that that was a natural ending point. It yeah. wasn't, and I won't throw any authors under the bus, but I'm still mad at a few of them that physically it feels like they just took one long manuscript, made an arbitrary line uh, down the middle and said, here's book one, here's book two, yeah. you have to pay for both uh, of them. And I'm not even going to tell you that it's not a complete story with resolution of absolutely nothing, but I've, I've read I've read series like that or, or duologies like that. And yeah. I, I understand why people do that. 
Oh, Laura Jacko says, it is so easy to fall in love with your own characters. Well, yeah, yours. I, I beta for her. So I, I know. <laughs> Keep writing, woman. I'm waiting for number eight. Sorry, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have called her out there. but No, she's getting number eight? She, she's which, no, she's, she needs chapter eight to come to me. Oh, she was, chapter she was eight. working mm-hmm. on chapter eight. I was like, eight. eight. And she's written beyond that. <laughs> But she's like, I'm still tinkering with it. And she needs to just let go for a minute. Let me read it. So you can read and it. Then, and then move on. But, but no, Allison, I, write, you write a series. I, I do write in series. Yeah. Um, my bourbon books are a series. And the first two have the same main character as far as perspective, although they are third person limited. So it's not like it's an I book. It's still a she book. Uh, and then the third one changes main characters. So it's still same same third person limited, but it's shop. It, we, we do some shoulder hopping. So we go from one shoulder to another, which allows some different, different vantage points on events that have already happened, which oh, I enjoy yeah. because then it doesn't yeah. get stale. And also since these are romance, y- you don't want to just keep putting the same people through a ringer over and over. You would like to let them move on and let them have their happy ending. Let them have their happy ending. They and, deserve it. And go on for the next one. But I, I will say when I were, wrote the first one, I wasn't intending to even do that. And I wasn't yeah. intending to have a series, let alone any kind of sequel. And I know, I think the first version that Jen read had an epilogue. And then when it was going to publication, I told the publisher, yeah, strike the epilogue. We're, we're killing the epilogue because there's going to be another book and everything in the epilogue then becomes redundant. And some of it not even true. So we yanked the epilogue published as is with just a slightly revised end chapter. And then the epilogue became stretched out to an entire different book. <laughs> so. I'm exhausted. <laughs> it's all right. Tell me, Allison's I mean, the brains. Yeah, like, no, I'm, I'm calculation. <laughs> you say I'm Allison's honest. the brains while you're talking about my cotton candy romances, which is. They're smart. Yeah, they're no, smart but you're talking, I'm, I'm seeing, I'm seeing this wall. And I'm seeing all these charts and graphs and, and connections, and it, which is in your head, I assume. You've got to keep all that in your I do like, have a chart like, with names because I've had to rename people when I realize, oh, the name I just gave this person was a minor secondary character over here. And I don't want there to be any confusion other than all of the Chris's were intentionally all named Chris because it's just a thing. So many Chris's. But other than that, I also have a chart of who has what job yeah, and what card I knew it because yeah. I... I don't get that. I won't keep that straight. So I have an alphabetical no. name, name roster, yeah. and their cars. Who drives? Who drives? Colorize. What, which. What about colorize. Um, colorize. Okay. I don't. I don't need to because I can picture them all. So that's oh. easy enough. I'm not going to wow. get. I won't get those confused because I. I know a visual of what they look like. It's pretty. Okay. It's pretty set up there. But I don't even remember what kind of car I drive most of the time. So. If I'm if I'm changing around, if one person has a Tacoma, a Tahoe, and then a Tundra, and the same thing, my betas catch me and go, "You got to pick one." I'm like, yeah, I don't know the difference between any of them. They start with T. Yeah, can it just be yeah. like SUV? I, I did that. I, I do have one. Where I'm <laughs> like, no, no, no. We need details. No, no, no. You have to have details. So they well, and there was out, a right? line where where the main character is like, "Oh, they thought she was a badass and drives a BMW." It's like, no, she drives a Mazda. So I had to stick with the Mazda because it was the throwaway line because. She's yeah, not the, yeah. the BMW type. No. Yeah. And I and your editor must, you know, have be challenged in some ways to get that all sorted out. Or well, maybe too challenged. <laughs> <laughs> I've done a lot I've done a lot of editing. I've done a lot of, of uh what do I call them? Bodice bodice ripper. Uh, oh, editing. bodice ripper editing. <gasps> bodice so ripper you editing. had to edit a lot of words like throbbing members. <laughs> Throbbing members. <laughs> and yes. like I don't write throbbing members. Quivering. I I no. And one of the hardest ones to work with is orgasm. 
Oh, I no. I because you can't. You, you can't. There's no. There's no good way to also describe it. I, yes. I talked to like. Uh, <laughs> I have this amazing like writing mentor, and I was trying to describe an orgasm in my current work in progress, and I was like, I can't say orgasm because that's good. just like. And then I. It, it, it didn't fit for the scene. And I, and I was like, well, can I say, so this is when we get like loose with the tongue. I'm like, can I say come? And she's like, don't say come. No, you can't use come. I know. And I'm like, I know, but I've never written about an orgasm before because I write horror. <laughs> well, that's right, horror orgasm. No, I, <laughs> I know. So, so she just like gave me, she's just like, talk about how it felt like express. Right. I'm like, okay, but I'm from New Hampshire. So like all of that is very embarrassing for me to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, it takes it takes a certain kind of person, uh, or not kind of person, but a certain that writes that stuff, and it's hugely popular. And I, as I yeah. said, a lot of it, and it's not about you know quality of writing or anything like that. It's being able to express how she felt, yeah, in bed and the, uh, the throbbing. The fr- <laughs> it's about the throbbing. Joanna, have you ever edited a bod- edited a bodice ripper written by a man, and was it awful? <laughs> <laughs> oh, good question. Uh, that is a good question. I no, no. I mean, they were. All, it was for Ballantine uh, Publishing, Random House, and um, they're all no. They're all they're all women. Most of them are, but I I will say I've known there must be some. Who, yeah, who will use a female pen name? Because I was going to say I know. I won't throw anyone under the bus. I'm not going to throw anybody any. under under the bus either. But I have a very good friend who writes romance uh, ro- more erotic yeah, than yeah. romance um and he uses a female pen name i guess that's clever and and it is one of those things where you're trying to <laughs> I, I mean so so in contrast I when i when i write when i write as romance i write as alice and martine when i write as literary science fiction i write as am hubbard and i'm addressing the opposite preconception there which is women don't write science fiction. So I'm just going to remove my gender from the name by just doing initials and also hoping someone will think I'm maybe related to L. Ron Hubbard and buy my book out of fear. So that's out of, that's out of, fear. Out of fear. I love out they of could fear. be watching. You never know. The but volcano again, <laughs> you just leave that out. So I know I think there's a preconception that men don't write romance and now it's getting much better. Women are writing science fiction. And I know anyone who would flip the book over and read the back, they'd figure out pretty quickly, hey, there are a lot of women in this book that's probably written by a woman. That's probably what AM stands for is a male. No, no, not that. So, you know, you just you just go with it. But for me, it's it's about genre distinction more than anything else. But I can imagine yeah. There are probably there are probably some men who slip by you and you may not have even known. Yeah, no, it's well dating back back to the book uh, in 1920s. Of course, art, the women artists at that time, and you being an artist, uh, Jennifer, that women had to use initials. Like yeah. my Ada, Ada Bell Champlin, uh, she used ABC, right? Oh, um, which is cute, which is adorable, which would be really well branded today. But yes. like back in the day, that's not back cool. in the day. And, and to think that you couldn't, you know, put your name on a painting and to think that like women couldn't. I mean, the, the fact that we think even today, like what Allison just said, like women don't write sci fi. Women don't write horror. Yeah, women don't yeah. women don't paint. Like, how was that even a thing yeah. ever? Well, and even in the even in the book, they're addressing it saying, oh, at the beginning, and I hope this would not be considered a spoiler, Sarah is coming there because it is believed that her sister took her own life. 
And they're even blaming the fact that she's a painter. Like, well, obviously this was not suited for her feminine sensibilities. If she yeah, just and she had like have babies. hysteria. Yes. Yeah. Hysteria. And the, and that quote, by the way, it's in the beginning of the book that was in my research. That that's, that's accurate. That is mm-hmm. a quote that women are, are, are the creative, the best making babies. That that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I mean, I'm good <laughs> yeah. at it. I have three gorgeous children, but right. I mean, I feel like both. I can do more than that. You can <laughs> you do other you things. Do more than not that. just that. <laughs> Says the woman so with I, the law degree. And yeah. author, hello, Terry. Terry says, women rock. Look up for those, uh, I'm assuming it says male authors who write about Latina cops. That's Terry. So. I think that might be oh. Terry. Ter- yeah, Terry is probably one of the, <laughs> I shouldn't say this. He is a male writer who actually writes really incredible female characters. Oh. Well, there we are. Uh, so heartfelt, so strong mm-hmm. and complicated. And I've never said like, Oh, he doesn't get women. So we're not going to see him on one of those Twitter threads of men writing women badly. No. Okay, that's No. Fair. Actually, I feel, like he, I feel like he writes women better than I write women. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write... I'm going to... What's his name? Terry? Terry Shepard. He writes, um, like, okay. thrillers, crime thrillers, the okay. Chasing Vega, and then Chasing the Captain. Look, Terry, I'm, like, sh- giving you shout-outs. <laughs> yeah, going to check you out, Terry. Terry's great. Well, and I was going to come back to talking about even not using their names and so using initials. The flip side even happened then for Sarah, where she doesn't want to use her actual last name because she doesn't want to capitalize on her sister's fame. So you have it coming and going. On one hand, you're told, okay, don't, don't let people know you're a woman. But she's like... I'm a woman, but I also don't want to be known as this woman's sister because yeah. I want to make it under my own steam, under my own, and hear me trying to pretend I'm related to L. Ron Hubbard. I am not. So I but, could only I pretend was I was really- related to Flash Gordon. I've got like, <laughs> I've not got nothing going on here. <laughs> I can't. But I just thought that was interesting that she's like, on one hand, women have it so hard, but on the other hand, I'm not going to capitalize on this other woman who I happen to be related to. Sister. Right. Even though well, they look, many, they look alike, yeah. Yeah. they've trained under similar schools and, and studies. Her, so stylistically, yeah. they're similar. But she's like, I'm still going to do it on my own steam. And I thought that was really interesting that you made that choice for Sarah, that she's like, nope, I'm not going to yeah. just sit back and become famous, especially when death catapults her into the limelight. Yes. And, and there was, you know, there was a certain jealousy uh, between the two sisters, mm-hmm. which yeah. made it so difficult. For Sarah to get, you know, Sarah's in a garret in Paris, uh, and she gets a cable that her sister's dead, and she, you know, she's right in the middle of about to have a show. A show. A show. You know, <laughs> it's sort of like in our own lives when we're writing, you know, something happens and we have to, we have to take care of it. Yeah. And it's, it can be really painful to leave, you know, and then you have the, the, the double guilt of god i should be working and no i've got to go take care of my sister i've got to do like real life i have to do it oh i have that like 20 times a day though i could be in the middle of a sentence and i've got to take a kid outside because the sprinklers went off and he wants to run through them and he's not going to stop until i let him run through them and then he's naked again so yeah so with the jealousy you know she had that going on and and that made it even you know more difficult between the two of them and then she had the guilt that oh god why was i jealous i was so stupid my sister's dead if only i been nicer and that or if I come out sooner I come out sooner then maybe the things would be differently and the other thing there's a generational between even though they're fairly close in age is that um her sister who's a famous artist is traditional and representative and she's trying to have Sarah's trying to have a voice of her own and if she was to use that same last name would also be a problem 
because she'd be connected to that world and she was going totally modern. She was heading in a completely different direction than her sister. So, so I have to ask before we end, I know you're an artist. We're ending? Is it over? Almost, almost, but not just yet. Um, okay. But you're an artist. <laughs> what yeah. style work do you do? Like where where are you I, on the Ada Sarah spectrum? I'm not an artist. Ada Sarah. You're not. No. I feel like you should be. <laughs> I feel like you should be. That's great. That's research. I just assumed. I was I like, she has to be. She wants you to be. No. I want you to I be. So if I, you were an artist. If I was an artist. Like, what kind of work would you do? Do you um, think you would be Ada or Sarah? No, I would No, I would be leaning. I would definitely be or Serena. leaning more. In, oh. See? No, I this is going to make people want to buy it. They're like, okay. I don't oh, know what okay. any of that means, but <laughs> I want to. There will be a uh, Facebook, Instagram text, you know, where you go, oh, which are you? Find out. Take the quiz which, to which find out. Which That's good. Because there was, are the three different artists. I mean, they yeah. are very different. I mean, you need a fourth three. choice because there's always a fourth choice. But that's uh, a smarmy photographer. <laughs> right. That's the fourth choice. <laughs> no. Pin ups. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say that well, Serena is so much coming from her uh, her culture and her her need to you know pull from that, which I don't really feel. Um, so I would lean more definitely into the Sarah uh, abs- color palette. Color. Uh, yes. I love color, so I you know like my book cover. I, I would just like my Your sweater book cover. Uh, the book cover is gorgeous. Would, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was easy to I take would, pictures of. It was it was inspirational. Okay. staging it i'm not so I would, i'd go for color i would just go into color. i would probably be that uh you know that person that's you know in a loft somewhere and gob up a whole bunch of different colors and get in and swim through it and come out with something love it <laughs> I love know. it uh, um <laughs> joanna i feel yeah. like we could talk to you for like hours because i like i, yeah. I want to like talk about your whole life but we're <laughs> out of time okay. um yes unfortunately wow. um I know it's been 45 minutes. You've been amazing. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you, Joanna. Oh, yeah, I have to tell you that, you know, there's nothing like a Manhattan. It helps. We're funnier <laughs> if you're drinking. Like, that's just that is true. No, 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 no. You would have been funny. I've watched your other things. The hats. <laughs> I want that picture. I want that picture. Uh, uh, I, well, now I have something to put off doing work for. <laughs> I'm you like, didn't need I that. gotta do a huge photo shoot. When we moved into our new house, we have a giant costume closet. And yeah. day one, the costume closet broke because of all of my like heavy beaded costumes. Like all the bars broke. And now we've been here a month and the costumes are just like still like on the floor, but behind now closed doors. You, you gotta you gotta go through it. I've gotta go through yeah. it. Stuff. Gotta get, all, gotta get all the stuff yep. out. Do, do a photo shoot. My husband's going to love it because he's a photographer. He's going to be like, yep. photo shoot? You haven't wanted to do a photo shoot in forever. And he's watching this right now and listening to and it. He's and, watching. And what will he wear? What will he wear? What will um, he, he I mean, he wears... Uh, 1920s for men is much easier than 1920s for women because yeah. it's usually either crumpled, uh, booze-ridden tuxedo, um, yeah. like like sailor type of like striped shirt sailor yeah. like summer wear um then he's got like a couple good hats okay that's what i want to know about because that's that's the distinction he's got hats. what's yeah, the he's hat got, 
Um, fedora? Does he have a fedora? He has a fedora. We have tons of fedoras. He also has one of those like straw hats with like the ribbon around, like a summer, yeah, a like a date, yeah. a Panama yeah, hat. Panama. Like, a, like yeah. I call it a picnic hat. It's a picnic hat. Because mm-hmm. we would do like daytime 1920s events and nighttime 1920s events. So we have like picnic wear. And your parasol. All, yeah, my parasols are part yeah. of my daytime. Of outfit. course. You don't need a parasol at night. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, it, and girl, it's been, you know, fun for me doing this. And uh, Oh, my gosh. You were lovely. Um, and stick around for a couple minutes after we sign off, just so okay. we can say, like, real goodbye. Sometimes authors leave, and we're like, oh, I still want to No, no, I, 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 I still have to finish my drink. I mean, Perfect. This is, Perfect. And it's 3 o'clock here. No, it's 4 o'clock. I mean, this is now it's 4 o'clock. Yeah, yeah it's 4 o'clock. So oh, everybody, <laughs> thank you for joining us. Thank you, Allison. Thank you, Joanna. Thank you to Roman Seratin, our producer. Thank you to Pam Stack, our executive producer. Thank you to everybody at the Global Authors on the Air Radio Network. We love you. This is been a copywritten podcast. Stay tuned next week when we have Helene Wecker. Am I saying her last name right? Allison? I, so. I think Wecker. so. Helene Wecker of The Hidden Palace. And also her book before that, which was The Gollum and the Genie. So stay tuned next week. See you all later.